This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. It is the Apex 2023 studio sponsored by, of course, Apex. Excited. I will break the code. This is our first interview of this incredible event. We have a prime position. What do you think? You like our position here? Right beside Joe's Garage. Yeah, I know. Isn't it great? Uh, the voice you heard was Malcolm Sismore, Vice President of Sales at Delphi. Sales uh, and marketing. Sales and marketing. What else did they give you to do this week? Oh, <laughs> I did a lot of note-taking at meetings. Yeah, I, was, I bet you did. <laughs> hey, thanks to our sponsors, Apex and Shopware, for providing you this episode. You know, Apex 2022 is in the record books. Apex sure outdid themselves presenting leading-edge technology from suppliers, but also a great job of showcasing the emerging tech of tomorrow. You've got plenty of time to plan for 2023. October 31st through November 2nd, 2023, Apex, now more than ever. You know, priorities change in a heartbeat, so why shouldn't your shop management system reflect that? Now, if you use Shopware, it does. The built-in expediter lets you shuffle jobs around based in real time for maximum efficiency. Smart stuff. Get Shopware.com. Malcolm, you and I go way back. And thank you for coming on and being a sponsor of the Town Hall Academy. We sure appreciate Delphi Technologies for that. But when Malcolm and I kind of rekindled our, our thing, we've always been social media friends, but we talked about some of the stuff that we did in the old days. And I don't mean that they were old days because they weren't, but they were just so long ago. And things have changed so fast and so rapidly. I'm going to tease you, my audience, so that you keep listening because I'm going to ask Malcolm, what crazy thing did we work on together maybe a dozen years ago? Telematics. Oh my God. Yeah, there. And so somebody came into the studio earlier and says, Hey, we got this really cool telematics device. I says, Really? What is that? <laughs> uh, so, Karen, we were slightly before our time, I yeah. think, on that one. Yeah, eight, about eight years ahead. Maybe we'll yeah. tell that story later. But uh, you have your booth upstairs, has this truck in it. What the heck is this work truck all about? Yeah, it's a 2018 Dodge Ram 3500, the Cummins engine in it. And it's specifically, we wanted it 2018 because that's right in the sweet spot of repair. And it's a concept around all the parts that we have for a work truck. And it's that work truck environment that's out there. There's 65 million work trucks on the road in the United States and Canada right now. And most of them are, are owned by fleet operators. And we know the tow truck operators, the ambulances, the municipalities, last mile delivery vehicle. This is like a whole group of, of vehicles. And Delphi Borg Warner have a lot of content on that, as most companies, other companies do. One of the things we're looking at is that that whole fleet truck has not been able to be replaced in the last few years due to the pandemic and the chip shortages. So a lot of those work truck vehicles are getting a lot more miles put on them by those fleet operators than they had been in the past before they got changed out. We're seeing the incidence of repair needed in later model applications than we had in the past. So it's a big push that way. I think it'll be a good pickup for our industry here. The idea behind this is that the fleet operators want no downtime, right? They want to have their vehicles up and running all the time, so they don't want to have partial repairs done. They don't want to put on inferior parts. They want to put on recognized quality parts because they can't have the downtime. And that's what we're pushing with this idea for our distributors to be able to take the Borg Warner Delphi branded products out to the fleet operators and say, you know, we have 350 chassis parts for Dodge vehicles. We have 
300 some odd fuel pumps for the GM Sprinter, all those different work truck last mile delivery vehicles. You know, I got to tell you something. The work truck. I think many service professionals in the industry need a strategy jolt. That's what it kind of reminds me of. Yeah. It's right there. It's at the end of, you're looking at it every day. They're coming in and out. You're watching them on the road. You never stopped. And thank you for putting the stats together. 65 million. They haven't been able to be replaced. We survived and pushed through COVID. And these things are tracking miles. Why is it that we haven't thought of maybe being in the fleet business? I get that. It's a tough business to jump into. But each and every day, count the number of trucks that are already in your bays and stop and think about the miles that they're racking up because they are America's work truck. Exactly. I love the, I love the concept. You've got to run with this. Take this thing that Malcolm's talking about and make some changes in your company. And that's what we did. It was a whole focus. We, I call it all around the work truck. So everybody got involved in it uh, with our uh, whole brand team. They developed flyers and everything around all the content we have for those vehicle platforms. In a lot of cases, it's, it's the same vehicle platform used in multiple work truck purposes. In a lot of cases, fleets have one model vehicle. Right? That's the fleet that they have. So you can focus in on just that Ford F-250 fleet that is snowplows or something yeah, like that right. along those lines. That's the idea. We didn't do anything different within the, we already had the parts. They're already looking up in the catalog, make model gear. But now we're saying this is a real focus around the work truck specific. He says, we already have the parts. You already have the trucks. Because I'm talking to you, Mr. Shop Owner, Mr. Technician. You already have them. So stop and think about the social media campaigns that you're running in your shops, why don't you push the truck out there just a little harder? Because to your point, they're racking up miles. Definitely. Wow. And I know a lot of shops have a fleet part of their business. It's a usually a good volume type of business, and a lot of shops have a portion of their business as fleet, or they specialize only in fleet. So I think that that is... Again, going to be something that's going to, be, especially a lot of fleets. You know, the majority of fleets out there are fleets of less than four vehicles, right? There's certainly some huge. Fleets Is that research there. that you've that's done? Definitely. Wow. Telematics research, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what came out there, because you have the plumbing company that has four vans. You have the grass cutting company that has two vehicles. So that's a huge part of it. And again, these are usually owned still by corporations or at least that vehicle, but you have to take care of your own maintenance. So there's a lot of that business out there. And the electrician. And I just thought of, and the microbrewery guys. I mean, they're on every corner today. Yeah. Maybe you can do a trade, who knows? And think about the last mile delivery and how that's exploded. That's the key. You said it to me off camera here before we started, the last mile. They're the workhorses yeah. for the last mile. Fascinating. Thank you for motivating us to look deeper and harder into, are we fixing enough trucks? And of course, you guys got all the parts for that. And back in the day, we hate to touch a fuel pump that was allegedly bad, defective warranty claim. And it took a company like Delphi to stop and think, because you make them things, the parts the cars are born with. It's, to me, it's the greatest saying in the world. But as a kid, I always knew that somehow. You were that quiet little, you know, OE geniuses in the corner. And all of a sudden, you know, you grew up to be this incredible player in the industry. I went up to your booth and it kind of reminded me like one of the Apple stores. Mm -hmm. And I recently read a book, Stealing Genius by Donald Miller. And he mentions Delphi in the book about 
going to conferences and Delphi approaching him as a consultant saying, we want a different looking booth than no one's ever seen before. And I'm reading this and I'm saying, I remember the booth that I went to. It was open and airy and plexiglasses and everything. And I went back and Dave Hobbs is in this cool little room and he's passing all of this, the parts your cars are born with stuff around the room. And people are just fascinated by seeing. And I think that was, they were all ADAS parts. Yep. And he's, well, the radar thing is getting, that was two years ago and it's getting smaller and smaller. So you guys are right on the edge. And my question about a company like yours, and you may not know this and maybe you do, Malcolm, because you've been with Delphi for how many years? 15. 15. How does it start? I mean, you make the part, say OE, specifically from the raw bottom up for an OE. When do you decide to maybe put it to market or to make it even better than the original OE specs? Is there a process? Yeah, for sure. And it starts right at the very beginning. We make that part for the OE. We often have to think about the aftermarket part of that. Is it going to be rebuildable part? Is it going to be a part that has intellectual property that's not available to be sold in the aftermarket? How do we make sure that it's going to be available when that vehicle comes out of warranty? So that's the first thing that we look at whenever we uh, put together a new contract is the whole aftermarket aspect of where we're going to go with that. Now, you talk about changing the product than what's original. So one of the things is big time is on fuel. You know, the fuel being put in your gas tank today was way different than your was 10 years ago when that pump was designed for that. So, you know, the ethanol in there. So we have to make all of our aftermarket pumps E20 because maybe originally it wasn't that high. Sure. So there's those type of things that we do that way. Steering and suspension is another one like that where we look and we, we actually know the, the failure rates happening from the OE side, right? And so then we're able to say that, you know, from an aftermarket part, even from a competitive aspect, we need to make this different, better, beef it up, that kind of stuff because we're seeing premature failure and we have to make it better. Like a ignition coil for Volkswagen is an example, where there was so much pressure built up under the coil, it would kind of pop out of place. We created for the aftermarket a vent in the coil so that that pressure would come up and out and not unseat the coil. Let that sink in a moment. And the sink in part is the OE or the dealership is going to then buy parts to put on their shelves to take care of either warranty or service work. And they're probably buying them from you. And so now you've got the first chance to see what they're buying. And you can bring that into the aftermarket and have that part available then. Yeah, and we definitely get to see the OES service and how many parts are being shipped and then kind of predicting that, you know, a lot of our parts are parts that shouldn't fail, fuel pumps, engine management. You know, suspension is a wear part, but you look at those other ones. So, you know, we see that type of, especially GDI, where we're starting the GDI pumps coming out and some of those applications have higher failure rates than others. And trying to figure out, is it because it's turbo GDI? Is it because the cam phasing has just never been right with that vehicle and therefore the pump is wearing out prematurely. There's a bunch of things that are happening in late model applications that we look at from an OES perspective best we can. We're not the only pump supplier in the world out there either. So we have to look at what we are in the aftermarket full line of a pump supplier. How do you figure out where the problems are? I mean, you guys got labs. Are you going out into the field? Are you taking the alleged warranty products and just tearing them apart and finding out what's going on? We would go that in depth if it's one of our parts is failing prematurely. We would be all over trying to find out what that is and making the fix, making it right, OES and aftermarket. 
So that definitely goes on. But it's really looking at the failure rates by product category and starting to predict, you know, what does that look like and then getting more fine down to make model year. Like your failure rate on a fuel pump has gone from four or five percent down to less than one percent. But it's not by across the board. You have some that failure rates twenty percent. We want to go after those ones. It's the failure rate of the OE part or is the failure rate of the replacement part? So the failure rate of the OE part, we wouldn't be privileged to really know that other than the fact of how many units we ship. Got it. Yeah, the failure rate of an aftermarket part that we are getting and we're getting feedback from the customer and we're seeing that that's the failure rate. We're, we're looking at that replacement. So okay. there's prediction. Some of it is predicted upon miles driven and VIO. And then added to that is the actual make model year failure rate. So if we look at a pump that we're seeing higher failure rate or something greater than that, then you multiply it times the VIO that's out there. That becomes, this is the percentage of failure. Hey, if you went to Apex 2022, well, then you realize the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional. Repair Shop HQ is your place, along with Joe's Garage, with 10 working bays, you experienced real-life working conditions. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software. They had their latest and greatest just for you. You also attended technical and business management training right inside Repair Shop HQ with the industry's best and brightest. Work is underway to make next year's Apex 2023 have even more product demos, trending training, marketing, and social media support to help you grow your sales and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening as we bring you the latest from Apex 2023. Save the date, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX. My friends at GetShopware.com. Currently, fuel pumps are at 1%, but individually, certain year, make, model, design are different. Yeah. But you aggregate it all together. And you've been able to really hand tough it down. And year, like the model, like, you know, you got 20-year-old vehicles out there, which have a failure rate that's different than a vehicle that's eight years old. Yeah. So fuel tanks, are they a culprit here? Good question. So when we see in the aftermarket, 80% of the failures that we've received, that we inspect, have been caused by contamination, dirt in the fuel tank. It's just a reality, especially on an older vehicle, you have a tank that's been out there 10 years, and when it was originally put together, it was a brand new tank, brand new pump. So now you're putting in a brand new pump into a tank that could have a lot of sediment, dirt, rust, different things that might happen. If even a plastic tank has a film buildup inside that. Ideally, when you change a fuel pump, you take the whole tank out, you empty all the fuel out of it, you wash it all around, make sure it's all clean and tidy inside, and then you put it all back in. That is not happening. You know, it's a ton of work to try and do that. 
You have to convince the customer that I got to spend another couple of hours to do that and get it paid for. And one of the biggest things is people don't really have a great, where do you put the gasoline? Often when fuel pumps fail, it's somehow the tank is full as well, yeah. right? Because people think they ran out of gas. Sure, sure. And so the tank is full. And so what do you do with that fuel? It's dangerous. A lot of environmental laws that you can't just dump it. So you, you really have to have a, a system in place. You can have, like, it's, it's very dangerous situation. So ideally what techs mostly do, take the pump out, look for the pump to see if it looks like it's really been contaminated, why it failed, and look into the tank. Often when you look in the tank, that area looks really clean right at the bottom of the tank where that pump's been sitting because everything's just been passing through there. What you can't see is outside of that sphere of maybe six or seven inches where the dirt might be sitting, which is actually flowing into the pump, but looks okay there. What we've done is, is technicians are not going to change the tank. We even work with some of the shop systems to put uh, tank cleaning as a code that you can put in. Sure. What we've done is we've designed a tool, and it's the only tool I know that you can check a tank that it has dirt in it or not while it's full of fuel. Whoa. And what we've designed is a tool, and it's about 15 inches long, and it has a head, the swiveling head on the end that has three magnets built into it and has a little replaceable cloth that you put on that. So you take this tool and you drop it straight down into the tank and you push it off to the side and kind of push it against the edge and then you pull it back out and you look at the bottom. And if there's metal particles stuck to those magnets, your tank is contaminated. And I truly believe a technician, when they see that, they'll realize, okay, I have to clean the tank. They have something they can take to the consumer and say, hey, look at what's in your tank, right? So there's something there. That's the biggest thing I can see here is that it's the only thing out there. We've looked at, uh, you know, where you can, some of the break, uh, you can do an analysis of oil and that. We haven't seen anything on gasoline that you could do an analysis on. It's rather basic. It's extremely basic. It's too simple. Literally, it sounds like a brilliant idea. And we should be charging $500 for the tool, but we don't. In fact, we try and give it away. Really? If you come to our booth, we were giving them away. Uh, they're available through our WD networks. We'd like them to be sent out with every fuel pump that's being sold, regardless if it's a Delphi or not. You know what they say is uh, a tide raises all ships. Yes. Right? What, how generous. Do you think it's going to reduce the work that's put into having to do it again because the contaminants ruin the pump? Uh, I don't know. People come back, what, a week or two or three or a month later? And they got the same problem. Yeah, you heard the, the old adage, it takes three pumps to clean a tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we are seeing, and we've got, we have some deals out there with technicians that, you know, we're paying money to see a video. Use the tool, send it to us, and we're sending you some money for your time to do that. Because we believe the more videos and testimonials we can get, and it's amazing some of the stuff we're seeing. We're seeing, like, chunks of red plastic coming out. I don't know where that came from. Uh, and technicians are, are looking at these things and seeing this stuff come out. And the kit comes with five of these cloths. So you can actually, if it's not too bad, you can clean the tank as well. You can get into the corners with it and you can get most of that stuff out. Again, the magnet will tell you if you're getting there or not. Borg Warner bought you guys how long ago? Uh, it's about almost two years now. Two years. How'd the integration go? You've got a ton of Borg products in the Delphi booth. Tell us about them. Yeah, this is the first year that we've had uh, other products beyond uh, our fuel engine management and steering and suspension sure. that Delphi has. We now have in the booth, we have the Borg Warner turbochargers, and we have uh, the Remy uh, commercial vehicle starters and alternators. Those were two of the existing Borg uh, lines that they had already that we've now making available here in the aftermarket at the Apex show in the booth with us. So it's a uh, first time for that. So we're pretty pumped and excited about that. Integration has been fantastic. I tell you, uh, Borg Warner is uh, folks on their people. They are dedicated 
to us. It's been a wonderful feeling that way. All the employees uh, feel that the company is really looking after our best interests and looking into the future. You know, OrgWarner is going through a pretty big pivot called Charging Forward, which is where we're looking at 45% of our production by 2030 will be all electric component, zero emission vehicle components. And that's a big pivot from a few percentage points to 45% of a $15 billion company. Man. So part of that comes with big changes to the engineering from mechanical to electrical. It comes in the aftermarket, how we're now having to charge forward in the aftermarket to support that from a training perspective uh, for the OES type of the business. So it's all pivoting within the company because, you know, looking to the future of zero emission vehicles on the road. It sounds like a blast to want to be here, uh, if you will, on the bottom level of the strategy saying that we're reinventing ourselves. Absolutely. And a lot of this is already part of the core competencies of uh, different divisions, whether it's control modules, electric vehicles. If you think about hydrogen, hydrogen is internal combustion engine, which we're experts at. Where someone just came up to me and says, Carm, this whole EV thing is just the beginning platform of the real future, and that's going to be hydrogen. And I looked at that person and I said, wow, where'd you get that thinking? He goes, I bet you in 20 years, we're going to look back at the EVs as saying that was the stepping stone to hydrogen. And I'm saying this without anybody to back it up. What do you think? I think it's, as an industry, should be focusing on zero emission. Because I wouldn't want to say it's going to go to electric and then from electric to hydrogen. I think it's going to be electric and hydrogen and something we don't even know about yet. I don't know, wind. <laughs> <laughs> it would just blow wind out of the back of the car, huh? Yeah, so it's innovative. We know, generationally, we need zero emission vehicles. Yeah. Right? That's just the reality of it. So there's now everybody focusing on that. So as a company, Ward Warner, we're focusing on that as well. Huge amount uh, of uh, commercial vehicle. I mean, we own a, a bought a, a, a big uh, battery company called Akasol, which is a commercial vehicle battery company. Uh, we've been buying charging station companies. So we are definitely, as you say, at the bottom moving up. And it's a, I'm looking forward to the journey. I'm enjoying the journey today. Good for you. Uh, you're like a kid in a candy store. I've always <laughs> known you to say, ooh, let's do that. Or, ooh, what can I learn about that? Charging stations. I'm working on a couple of episodes to discover the cost, why we should put them in, is there government regulations, and is there value in having them? And I know there's a bunch of announcements going to be here on the show floor of aftermarket suppliers that we buy from every day that are gonna have uh, charging stations, and if not, to sell them to the home peoples to, to have. I think, you know, the, the number one concern with an with a electric vehicle is range anxiety. Yeah. Right, so that's the whole, the more charging stations that are available out there, you have less angst about getting your car charged. Because, you know, you don't want to run out, like, you know, someone can't bring you a can of gas, right? So it's a big deal, it's a flatbed situation. Yeah. And, you know, a part of this as well, you think about the work truck. The work truck is going to be one of the out front because of the government legislation, municipalities, the zero emission cities and that kind of, so that's where we'll, I think we'll see the biggest push right there on that work truck. And, and, and don't forget, that there also could be a retrofit market, especially on hydrogen. If you think about the work truck, for example, right? That tow truck or that ambulance piece and everything that's on it, nothing to do with the powertrain. But you're gonna have to replace that whole vehicle. Yeah. Especially for cities that have said that you have to be zero emission by 2025 and different things like that. Is there retrofit opportunities? We just at Borg Warner just um, retrofit full electric Powertrain. Can you see electric powertrain? I'm not sure. And the vehicle's driving around, and it is uh, um, a Ford 
work truck that they uh, took out the engine transmission and put in, you know, battery packs. We put in uh, electric motors and are driving it around. You did it because you can or you did it because you're looking at the future? We did it to showcase the electric vehicle components that we have. Keep in mind, like if you're working with an OE on something that doesn't exist, like the vehicle doesn't exist, and so now we're able to say, this is how it looks in a vehicle operating. So then you have to say, is there retrofit opportunities out there? Could we be a supplier of the parts that people can retrofit? And certainly if you look at hydrogen, it's head gasket up. Yeah, and to my point is, why scrap all these internal combustion engines? Or keep them on the road. That's my point, yeah, yeah. keep them on the road. Let's yeah. do hydrogen with them. You know, you take out a, a good ICE engine, it's not, someone's gonna need an engine replacement out there. So it's not like sure. this is gonna be, because we don't want to fill up the landfill cash or clunkers and that kind of. No way. And there has to be some economics of that. Like, you know, how expensive would it be really to do that retrofit, but less than a new vehicle, but not for somebody who's saying, you know what, I gotta spend X dollars, I may as well get a new one. We're a capitalist country. And I've always said capitalism will find a way. Entrepreneurialism will find a way. I talk a lot on the show about specialization, Malcolm. <laughs> and so you're talking, you're talking my language here. Who knows if it's invented or not? The whole retrofit could be a specialization. It's out there now in classic cars. A lot of uh, retrofit electric, you buy like a skateboard and then you put your, uh, your, your classic car on top of it. That's sure. Right. So that's going on now. There's certainly around the world, there's ideas and different people yeah. that are building new vehicles, retrofitting ice to electric. So is, is it going to be mainstream? Is it that's be, my point. Is, is it, it going to be stuff be, yeah. that a shop is going to do? Yeah. You bring your vehicle, like a propane conversion, but that you convert your vehicle to propane and you have to do the cylinder heads and that kind of stuff. That was being done by our, our folks. Is that going to become more mainstream or is it going to become some specialty OE that's doing that? Well, you gave us a lot to think about. Thanks for being here. But before I let you go, we were ahead of our time back when we had this cute little telematics plug-in device, yes. right? And it was a really fun time for me because I traveled the country and I got in front of all kinds of people because I was so passionate about the product. And it was almost like the service professional, they, they couldn't either see it or they didn't figure out how to make the cost work for their customer. I always think about that product and someone just approached me, hey, we're doing business with a company that's got this dongle that plugs in. And I go, you know, tell me about it. <laughs> I just knew a little bit about it many years ago. What I really feel that happened, Malcolm, tell me if I'm right or wrong, I don't think we've ever discussed this, was the service professional couldn't get over spending the money, giving it to their biggest and best customers, be it fleet or whoever, and just giving it to them. And not saying, well, I've never given anything away free, but not realizing the stickiness of the customer experience that would come back to the shop. And the benefits, I thought, to the consumer with geofencing and this information and knowing I never have to think or worry a day in my life about my the safety and reliability of my vehicle, we couldn't sell that. That was the thing. Shops are not telematic fleet salespeople. The telematics was there for the fleet route optimization, geofencing, and secondary was the engine maintenance. It just happened to be a byproduct of telematics. And that's where the issue was. We were really trying to get the shops to sell that thing to the parent to monitor their child. Yeah. Shops should not be in that business, right? The business is car repair. It's not trying to convince somebody you need to geofence around your schoolyard. But there was no one selling it at the time. And it was almost like, really supposed to be in that mindset? Am I supposed to be in that business? And it, and it fell because 
maybe we did a poor job of how to convince the service professional how to sell it. Is that how to sell it? And I think that uh, at the same time, embedded telematics was also coming out yeah. not big. And so we had a lot of those units on insurance, like 60,000 sure. units were on insurance company, but it was nothing to do with vehicle maintenance. Right. It was all to do with vehicles being stolen. And so that's where it comes in now, connecting those big telematics companies with the shop is really the key, not actually getting trying to sell the device and put it on there. Access the information that's core to that vehicle maintenance. And as far as I'm concerned, that's available today to any technician, whether you're OE or aftermarket. And the concept is, I'll use OnStar for example, yeah. telematics, right? Yeah. Great program. And what does OnStar do? They send the vehicle owner a vehicle health check once a month. And in that vehicle health check is the VIN, the miles, the oil life, next maintenance to all, all those type of things, right? So uh, everything the shop would want to have. The alerts that come through on Star answers the phone, and the idea of that is it's, it's going to encourage them to go to the dealership to get the work repaired because they're the one right in front of the customer their time of need. You're right. That was a point. Well, part of our point was in the independence connectivity to the car. So here. the big question is, you know, how do you get access to that? Well, I think, in my opinion, extremely simple. Carm, you have an OnStar account, and I'm Malcolm the Mechanic, okay? Can you forward me that email you get once a month, Carm? Sure. Could you set your email up to automatically forward it to me? And I'll get that. And I have your VIN then. I know what maintenance you need because I put the VIN into my shop program, and I know what you need. I now have your miles. I have your real-time miles, not estimated miles. Yeah. Right? And I actually have your oil life, which is not something you would get. So I know when your next oil change based upon your miles just from that information. It's there. If you truly have... A connection with the customer, they'll send it to you. In fact, if I owned a shop, I'd say, Carm, for every maintenance report you send me, $5 credit in my shop, 60 bucks a year. Okay, here's the deal. We have told you so many great things on this episode with Malcolm Sismore, <laughs> but this right here, this ending comment is the million dollar idea. Fleet telematics program, yeah. they're all based that way. So just tell the fleet operator, set me up as one of your shops. I'll get all the alerts, I'll have everything. But the shop has to react to that. Keep in mind, a lot of that telematic stuff is 24-7. Is a shop going to be able to take care of Carm's alert that comes on Sunday morning? So I have to share with you my biggest memory of working together with you and getting this item launched. It's, it's my biggest memory. And that is the battery thing ready to go. Can't we have the... No, we're working on it. We're trying to break it. The algorithms. And it was like two months. We're still working on the battery algorithm. Battery algorithm. And I was just like so frustrated sitting on the sidelines realizing that you guys were so particular. It had to be right or you weren't going to release it. Because we were measuring every time you start the car and how much the starter was drawing, right? And so the more it's drawing, then the more that would... And we were able to measure this, you know, hundreds of times a second. It was the parasitic draw that I think you guys were trying to program in an algorithm, right? Yes. And so there was a ton of... Because the idea there would be we could have predictive battery failure. That was the whole yep. concept behind that. Because it's built in to telematics programs, and we felt that that would actually have a pull to it, right? Because the battery sales, every, but telematics isn't free, right? And so you couldn't justify the cost to put a device on a vehicle, pay the monthly service fees for that, and then change the battery two years later. But everybody loves the idea, especially when we could turn check engine lights off remotely. Oh, that was cool. I know. Anyway, thanks for sharing that with you. I'm just glad our, our listeners had a chance to realize that one of the things that we did together, Malcolm Sismore, Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Delphi Technologies. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you, Carm. Thank you, Tracy. 
Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.